Welcome to the Eyewitness Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Jo Wilson, and this is the show for women who struggle to accept their worth, but want to embrace their gifts and share their witness for Jesus. We have a great show today about embracing God's love against all odds. Our guest today is Alicia Johnson. Alicia is currently the CEO at Terza Ministries and co-founder of Terza Place, a home for teenage mothers. As the daughter of teenage parents, she spends her time advocating for strengthening families and giving young parents the tools to break generational cycles. Her passion in life is for women to know their value and carry out their personal God-given calling. Welcome to the Eyewitness Podcast today, Alicia. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you for having me, Kelly. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Alicia and I chatted a little bit beforehand, and I just wanted to say that it is such a funny way that we came to meet one another. And, you know, God has a way of putting people in your path and bringing people together that is just amazing that you would never even think. So I just want to say I'm so happy that you are here and I'm so happy that I'm talking with you today. I I think you have a wonderful story. So why don't we just get into a little bit of your background, um, how you grew up, uh, a little bit about your parents and about your family. And then you can kind of tell us about your journey to to finding Jesus. Um, To make it exciting, I'm actually going to start with my parents' story because I like to describe it as a Hallmark movie. Um, Oh, that's great. I love Hallmark. (laughs) um, I feel like someday they could be a Hallmark movie. Um, They were teenagers in the Appalachian Mountains, and they met at a really young age. They were in high school from two different counties, and I do mean they were from the mountains. And my dad had a motorcycle. He played on the football team. He worked at Walmart helping with his family. He had his guitar. And my mom was one of the cheerleaders. And so I always think that's super cute. Um, They don't always like to say that's super cute or even talk about how they got married. But I've always (laughs) thought it was really cute. They actually eloped in a trailer. And the man who married them was the pastor, the barber. He might have been the mayor and the school bus driver, too. And this (laughs) wasn't that long ago. Um, So my dad's friends were the witnesses. And then um, during that time and even today, one of the only ways to leave the mountains, really, is to join the military. So Mm. my dad was a little bit older than my mom, and he was graduating. So he joined the military. And he was actually in South Korea for quite a while when I was little, fighting in the war at the time, which I always get mixed up on the name of. But he was (laughs) over there. And I remember my mom sharing the story of, I think she was living with his mom at the time, and she's 16 with me. And she's barely got her license, and she realizes her husband has left with the credit card I believe it was and so she's like what do I do he has a card and he's like going away away (laughs) and so they had to figure out how to do that so I have had quite an adventurous childhood my parents are still together today I am always blown away I have heard a lot of statistics growing up and working in the pro-life movement, which I've done for a number of years. 
about the success rates for teenage parents, for marriage and all of that. And it's so funny because where I go to church now, the pastor always says that my parents are couple goals. I think because they grew up together, it's just like they've known each other through so many seasons and walked alongside so many journeys. And they wanted something new for me and for my sister, who's seven years younger than me. So they really sought to figure out what that new thing was. And for them, that was leaving the mountains, which we do love and go back to frequently. But it was saying what's best for us. So for the first three years, there was the military journey. I was born on a military base in Missouri. Mm. Um, My dad was in South Korea. I lived in Louisiana. And then my parents ended up in Bible college in Washington State. <laughs> from wow, the time I you was guys were all over. Six. We were. <laughs> so my parents just took us wherever to figure that out. And that wasn't easy being a child that moved frequently. But I've never doubted that my parents loved me. They were young and they were figuring out life. And it's been a cool journey that starting there that ties into my faith journey of my parents um, got saved when I was a baby from what I understand of the story and it's just really cool that we got to start a relationship with God together and I grew up I try to describe that to people is like I grew up with my parents taking notes all night for Bible college when I was three years old. So at Mm. the age of like 10, I was sitting with pastors till midnight. And I know that's not the norm for most girls to spend their nights with head pastors and missionaries from around the world, just sitting there and talking about scripture. So it it was cool, but it also had its challenges because that church we were in from the time I was three until I was 19 is when I left that church and my parents did a couple years back. And mm. that church really introduced us to Jesus. But it's also we were navigating the dynamics of figuring out life and my parents being teenagers. And this church really became like almost a parental figure in their life. And Mm. that sounds great. And there were great aspects to it. But there was a lot of control as well. So once they became pastors, there were a lot of things like um, unnecessary rules, controlling what we did. We lived in properties that were owned by pastors, and they weren't the best properties per se to live in. And it, when I was six years old, we moved from Washington State to St. Louis, Missouri. So you're taking my family from the Appalachian Mountains <laughs> into the hood. So What surprises a lot of people about me is I actually grew up in the hood in a predominantly African-American community. And what surprises people even more is that was not odd for me at all. That's what I knew. That was my norm. We lived there from the time I was six till I was 15. My sister was born there and I loved it. I um, have so many fond memories That really surprises people, but there's such a sense of community in neighbor, like the neighbors have to protect each other. You really have to watch out. You know who your neighbors are because you need to know what's going on. And I had so many friends that I loved and that looked out for me. 
in St. Louis is where we were at. So it's St. Louis, Missouri. And let me tell you, that city is amazing because it has so many free things to do. It has the St. Louis Zoo. I'm not going to plug their tourism right now, but they <laughs> um, they just had so many fun free things for a family who did not have a lot. And so we were able to go and explore all these programs. And my parents were really able to learn more of who they are. And in the Appalachian Mountains, there is still a lot of racism to this day. Mm. That was something I had to navigate growing up was going to visit the mountains every year and having family members ask me, what's it like being around black people? And I was like, why are you asking me this? Um, Cause that wasn't my norm. And my parents were always so loving to everyone. And to be honest, nobody ever looked at me as a child and said, you're white, you're not black. I never experienced that when I was oh, in St. Louis. It was just, that was the beauty of the church we were a part of. There were so many different races and you were accepted for your own story, not because of the color of your skin. And I feel like my family grew a lot there. It was very challenging. And when I was 14, I asked Jesus into my heart, but it was more from a place of fear than it was from Mm. a place of wanting a relationship. To be honest, it felt more like, well, hell sounds worse, so I don't want to go there. Um, But I don't know that heaven sounds that great based on what I've been taught. And so it was learning at that point in my own journey, like, I'm going to own this, but this is all based out of fear and perfection because within that church, my parents were very loved, but I was also seen as... um, one of the perfect children, for lack of a better way to put that, of doing what they were told, following the rules. I was one of the youngest to be allowed to teach Sunday school alone. And that sounds nice, but that is a lot of pressure on a 15-year-old girl, for example. (laughs) And I just, um, if I could go back, I would tell myself, like, don't take on responsibility that's not yours to take on. And there would be grownups in the congregation who had their own stories who would look at me and be like, I can't believe you're sitting in the back row reading a book right now. Somebody could have got saved while you were reading this book. And I'm Mm. a child. Mm. That is the journey of a pastor's child as well at times. And um, so that would be really hard to hear those things and be like, well, am I doing the right thing? And constantly questioning It wasn't a sense of, am I capable of doing something? I've always been told I was capable of doing many things, but it's, can I not do something? Is there a time where I get to sit and let other people lead and I can go read the book or go to the park or whatever that is? Mm. And I feel like my family walked through that as well. It's difficult because it sounds like your family was really had a lot of faith. They were really dependent and active in the church and really wanted to do wonderful things. Like you said, they always shared love. They were always loving people. They raised you to see people for who they are. Um, And, you know, the initial goals of that church sound like they they wanted that, too. But sometimes you get into that. Uh, this is a little too much control, you know, because there's things, you know, 
God takes us through trials and God takes us through different seasons of our lives to experience how he steps in and is strong for us, you know? Um, and then sometimes you just don't always have, especially at, at 15, you don't always have all that to give out. You know, it's like you, your cup is like, you're constantly pouring it out. You have to give yourself a little bit of, you know, refill time for, for Jesus and God to kind of refill your heart a little bit with that love that, you know, they are so capable of with, especially and us too, through the Holy spirit, but us, <laughs> our flesh, it's hard. You know, you're trying to do this and you're trying to help people. And, um, especially whenever you, you have all that pressure on you, that's, that's difficult, but I love that your, that your parents were very loving and raise you both. And what a sweet story. That is a very Hallmark style story. <laughs> I love it. Um, so, you know, God bless them so much for that. Uh, and maybe, you know, do you feel like this, so you were in that church until you were 19, you said? Correct. And then do you feel like that helped you get closer to God? Do you feel like it helped you, uh, search for him kind of on your own a little bit more, or do you feel like it, it kind of pulled you away from him? Well, I think that's what surprises people within that whole journey is there's this whole movement now that's um, deconstructing your faith. And mm. I hear a lot about that. And I don't agree with it because um, there was a book that came out recently where she talked about disentangling your faith instead of deconstructing. Like just because you doesn't you don't agree with something doesn't mean you need to throw out the whole thing. Sometimes you just need to go back and say, what are the core moments that I can agree with? And the reality is I learned so much of the Bible that has shaped who I am in ministry now. Um, people joke with me because I do try to avoid ministry and don't <laughs> always want to see that as my calling. Um, but it's just been ingrained in me. And I believe God had a purpose in that to say, hey, I'm going to give you a solid biblical foundation. Like, you're going to hear the word and you're going to hear wrong things about it, but it is going to be ingrained in you. And then you can reshape that later. So for me, my whole 20s was this unique journey of I really believed in those morals. And it's my family story of I fell into the pro-life movement at 19 as well. And it was not something I planned on doing or wanted to do. I did not like the pro-life movement, which would surprise people because I had teenage parents and every time I saw signs, they said, adopt your baby, we'll adopt it. And I was like, well, I love my parents. I don't want to be adopted by you. I'm really glad my parents raised me. That was my first thought <laughs> when I saw that. Yeah. And I was like, I want to speak to these people because I want to tell them don't adopt their babies. They, they just need your help and they need you to not put pressure on them and make them into leaders, but they just need you to love them and show God's love. And I think God knew that. So he kind of pushed me into the pro-life movement, which led me on a journey with God because I knew I wanted to create a different pregnancy center actually than I had seen one that was more of a business model, not just helping people, but one that protected the staff the way I wish my parents had been protected when I was younger and one that also served the people at the same time. And um, it was a crazy goal, especially for a 20 year old, but I <laughs> um, was like, let's see where this goes. And I went to uh 
Lutheran college. And this is where I've been so strong with people on don't discredit one church because you don't agree with the doctrine. I'm not Lutheran, but I went to this Lutheran college and they showed so much grace, which was what I needed to see at that time was just extravagant grace. And they always had grace for everyone in themselves. And that showed me a different side of Jesus that I had never seen. Ah, that's beautiful. I'm so glad that you had that because, you know, I, I can already hear even just from the, from you being young all the way through that you just have this, this passion, this, this desire um, that God was like kind of taking you through and really trying to foster and to, to help it to grow. And man, what a, what a wonderful thing. I love that you said to not discredit a church, essentially like not judge the book by its cover right away. Right. Because anybody, you know, coming in, say even from Catholic or something else with Lutheran might be like, Oh no, I can't go in there. But again, to, probably rooted from your parents, the teaching about just kind of accepting and being open and, and um, really just going in and, and following your heart and following your call, you went in there and experienced just wonderful grace. And I, I feel like grace is such a beautiful thing to really see in action. So I'm so happy that you had that church to go to, because um, especially if you've never really experienced that before, having gone through what you've already gone through, having seen and been in those kind of communities that you've, that you've already um, been in. I was going to say that actually, I was going to ask you about um, when you went to St. Louis, how sometimes in tough communities or at least tough from the outside, they're very close, very, very close knit people to protect, like you said, protect yourself. That's what, and to protect one another, which is um, an interesting thing. I think that you don't hear much of, you don't hear much about. And I feel like it's maybe, you know, for just that protection. So um, I'm glad that you had that too. Uh, so what happened at the the church once you went there? So how did that kind of transform your journey of, of moving forward with your goals? So that was, it was actually the college, I should clarify. Or so college, I still hadn't yes. <laughs> stepped foot in um, a church again, really, to be a part of. But it was just, mm. um, this is the value of Christian education as well. And it's knowing that their values, like their core values were going to align with mine. And while I was there, they just kept seeking me out. And I was not someone who was going to seek anyone out, especially anyone in leadership after everything I had been through. But they kept following me and they put me in a pregnancy center. They were like, hmm. you are going to love this and you're going to intern here and you're not Lutheran, so you can't counsel. And I probably shouldn't disclose this, but she's retired now. So this is why I can't. <laughs> um, the woman in charge was like... Um, She's like, you can't counsel people because you're not Lutheran. So what I'm going to do is give you the keys of the building. And if there's no one else to counsel people, well, then you have to counsel people. <laughs> so I'm 20 years old in a neighborhood that is uh, pretty sketchy next to a bus stop in this house that we did pregnancy counseling for people, including teenage parents. And I would just go in there by myself quite a bit of the time. And she taught me, she was the executive director and she taught me to run the whole thing top down. And I fell in love. I was like, this is super fun. I like this. This is so many of my giftings from childhood, my family story. 
And I was like, I really want to create that new model for what I know pregnancy centers can be. And I went and um, applied to grad school. All of my professors and advisors actually thought I was a little bit nuts because I only applied to one grad school. I realized I had enough credits to graduate a semester early. And I was like, okay, if I'm pro-life and I want to do social work, um, for anyone who doesn't know, social work is not a Christian field. It's very limited in the amount of Christians involved. And it's known for being fairly liberal and pro-choice. And so I was like, I'm going to have to go to a Christian school because I'm going to be laughed out of any other school. And there were only four in the country at that time. So Mm -hmm. I had to pick between Texas, Kentucky, New Jersey, and I believe it was California. And the one in Kentucky happened to be an hour away from where my parents were from and where my grandparents lived. And I had always wanted to experience where my parents grew up for myself because my parents may have had challenges, but that wasn't my story with there. I have very fond memories of the mountains. I was like, I want to live there. And it just so coincided that I had started working with pregnancy centers and my grandmother had had an abortion before it was legal. So a long time ago, she had only disclosed it to one person. And she tried to commit suicide when Mm. I started working at the pregnancy center, which my grandmother is someone that I'm very close to. She's been someone who always shows grace no matter where we live. She's always here. She's actually in town right now. I just picked her up two days ago. So we're very close. Um, (laughs) It's been this um, constant journey with my family and I ended up going back there and I got to go to grad school where I experienced a whole other side of God because my professor at that grad school actually invited me to Bible study at her house. And this community was predominantly white and I had grown up in St. Louis and a predominantly black community where I was very close and fond. And the professor that invited me to her house happened to be Black, one of the only ones on staff. And that for me was just a really special connection that I wouldn't have had with other people. And she had us over every week and she's like, I want you to read the Bible and come tell me what you think of the Bible. And I was like, well, this is new. Nobody's ever asked me what I thought of what scripture said before. So that opened a whole new door and I got to, it like, it coincided with me going to my grandma on the weekends and helping her and getting to watch her. She helped found the Frankfurt Memorial for the Unborn, which is mm. the state capital in Kentucky, has a whole memorial devoted to aborted and miscarried babies. Mm. And she That's was one beautiful. of the founding members. So yeah, it's beautiful to see her life and see God redeem it and get to be a part of her walking this journey of faith too and redeeming really traumatic things for her. And that also showed me how God shows grace and even the worst of circumstances and how there's no guilt or condemnation because I watched my grandma walk through a lot of that of feeling guilt for decisions she made as a teenager So Mm -hmm. she was actually a teenager when she had that abortion. And my mom's the only other child she has. 
And she's just walked through that. And it's like, no, God doesn't condemn you for that. And you're restored in your whole and he can use your testimony to help you found a memorial that helps many lives. There's that um, verse that's, um, it's in Genesis, I believe, that says, you what you intended for evil, I intended for the good of many. Mm-hmm. That's from, uh, about Joseph. Joseph yep. says that to his brothers. Yep. That, I love that you just said that verse. I feel like that is so true. That is such a, that's such a powerful statement. You know, that always gets me. That's why I remembered it. I don't remember much from Genesis <laughs> other than God creating, but the story of Joseph for sure. Wow. What a powerful thing. Your whole family has made an amazing impact probably when you didn't even feel like, you know, it was happening. They probably didn't feel like it was that much. And, you know, for your grandmother to have gone through that, a lot of what people don't talk about, we all make mistakes. We all, we all make choices that we regret, but a lot of people with abortion don't talk about the aftermath, the aftermath for the mother too, uh, is, horrendous guilt, horrendous guilt. And I mean, to the point that she wanted to take her own life because of it. So I love that she was able to let herself believe that Jesus accepts her even through that. And so she could do amazing things. I mean, you know, like he says, you are a new creation and she goes and she founds this, you know, is the founder for this beautiful memorial. Um, what a wonderful testimony that she's had. And I'm so happy that she had you there with her to, you know, you're going to school, you're learning and then you're learning about her journey. And, you know, you guys are just changing lives over there. It's beautiful. I hope you enjoyed today's show. You'll find links to what we discussed in the blog post version of this episode at eyewitnesspodcast.com and our show is brought to you today by the Wilson shop on Etsy beautiful designs and encouraging words can change the world if you're looking for positive messaging on your favorite apparel journals and home decor visit thewilsonshop.com if this episode encouraged you please consider sending it to one friend you think would benefit from what we've discussed I'm so grateful for this time with you and thank you for listening.